Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode, latest episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, we're le- we're we're just over t- 24 hours away from the greatest day of the year. Either the, it could be the start of the greatest day of the year or the start of the worst day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't even want to hear that negativity. But we are 24 hours away from the start of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, we are officially and on time presenting a playoff preview episode of One for One. Hell yeah, dude! What a, that, should we just should we just, instead of our instead of our regular intro, should we just have the audio recording of you doing that as a, as our intro? <laughs> I you know what, man? You do your studio magic, whatever you think is best. But <laughs> I will say, and I've heard this from a that was a gross throat clear. I've heard this from a number of listeners that they really like our intro. So shout really? out to you for yeah, shout out to you for finding it because it is actually pretty sweet. Thank you. I I appreciate that. I uh that was just a that was just a, a, a random deep dive through uh uh random YouTube uh producers that were making royalty free music. So we're gonna have like, to gonna have we're to gonna have to send one. we're gonna have to send that guy like a box of uh pot of gold chocolates around the holidays or something like that. A nice little, a nice little gift basket. A nice, no, just one box of pot of gold chocolates. <laughs> That's it. That's the, all. The it's royalty worst, free. The the worst gift you can get at Christmas. Oh, buddy, Kay, you're <laughs> absolutely incorrect. A box of pot of gold is a very underrated gift. I'm not a dark chocolate guy. I, fucking, I, I but that's the thing chocolate. that's the thing about pot of gold nolan that's the thing about pot of gold nolan they're not all dark chocolate you can get the milk chocolate package you can get the caramel package there's different varieties of them so you can get pot of gold that suits the palate of whomstever you're I'm, getting it see, for and you know that you know that i'm a season. gambling man but I, I don't like to gamble on my chocolate so i'm not i'm not taking no chances on a i'm gonna go pick up one piece of of what I think could be milk chocolate or or caramel filled chocolate, and then get some ass tasting piece of dark chocolate. Dude, there's I'm, a guy. There's a guide in them. It tells you what the sh- what the chocolate is based on the shape. Like, have you are you born are you raised under a rock? Like, have you not had pot of gold before? Miles, I hate to break it to you, I'm actually not really that much of a chocolate guy. It's not. That's fine. Like, like I'm not, I, I'm not like, that like, much of a chocolate guy either. Like you can ask Taylor, but I, so I get fun fact. Um, I get Christmas chocolate every year. Like most people do, they get some, they, they get some chocolate in their stocking. I keep all of my chocolate in my bedside table and Taylor usually ends up eating my chocolate. I get like three Terry's chocolate oranges and I don't touch them. Okay. But Terry, Terry's chocolate oranges are trash. No, they aren't. I don't like them. I don't like them. You know what, man? I, I do. I, I know I'm I'm out here as an advocate for uh, for pot of gold chocolates, no free ads. But I would more so like and be happier just getting like a bag of chips. Oh yeah, chips, chips over chocolate, one thousand percent. Do um, do you think the uh... <laughs> <laughs> do you think hey hey Nolan? Do you think that the chips in the aisle at Walmart that don't get that you don't pick? Do you think that got sad? Fun fact: that was probably from I think Miles and I's like what third time hanging out. 
yeah popping chips party watching uh workaholics uh the workaholics yeah ripping through the first four seasons of workaholics on dvd that was the that was the uh beginning of where one for one was was born in the brains of myrtles and nerdlin oh what a time simpler times man looking back on that um who would have thought who would have thought we both have uh we both have careers now uh you have a house i'm should have a house soon you we have we have we have we have bills and uh a uh global pandemic it's um it's awesome there's just there's just so many life is, life is just looking up <laughs> life is looking up Nolan, because life is in, tw- in 24 up. hours we're gonna be watching edmonton oilers play off hockey yeah buddy i cannot wait anyways how about i break it down today what we're gonna give the people yes nolan be be my table of contents daddy okay so i'll tell you right right now from the get-go the oilers played really one game that actually meant something this week they luckily won all three thank goodness because that's just sick but we're gonna go over those three games in probably 30 seconds so we'll go through that then we're gonna talk about some overall oilers discussion how the season went um things that really impressed us and kind of an overall preview into the matchup versus the first round matchup versus the la kings then we'll touch on a little bit of quick sort of overall NHL hockey news sort of stuff like we usually do. And then closing out the episode today. And the main reason why I wanted to get this thing out as early as I can. We are doing an official 21-22 Stanley Cup playoff prediction bracket. Each of us have selected our own picks of who's going to win each round and then who eventually is going to go on to lift the Stanley Cup. Um, and we'll kind of go through our reasonings, maybe maybe some quick matchups that we're looking forward to. But that will be the overall highlight of the episode. So how about we not waste any more time and we'll get into it. Does that sound good, Miles? Does that sound good? That sounds, Nolan, that doesn't just sound good. That sounds groovy. That's a good word, eh? Just throwing a little groovy. Gro- groovy out there once in a while, and then like moving your hand like this, like doing like a little, <laughs> like a little squiggly. As yeah, if your hands s- doing the worm. Yeah, but you can't overuse groovy because if you overuse groovy, you look like an asshole. That's true. It's uh, once again, I've said it many times. It's like saying cheers. Like when you say cheers, you just <laughs> asking for a beatdown. <laughs> um, anyways, where everybody knows your name. <laughs> well. The Oilers started off the week by playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, going into Pittsburgh. And the, the, honestly, the, the biggest thing and the only reason why you really want to win this game is because, A, you want to show that even though you've clinched a playoff spot, uh, you can get home ice advantage because you get home ice advantage and like that means a lot, um, especially in this play or especially in these playoffs now that fans are back in all 32 buildings. Um and especially now with how well the Oilers have played in front of their home crowd, it is going to mean a lot. But on the other side, you also want to, I know I use this term a lot, but assert your dominance over a really good NHL team. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are a damn good NHL team, and they have been for a very long time. So Not to mention, not to mention that they're coming off of a game against the Blue Jackets where they had a little bit of a Tyo Cruz hangover and weren't playing the, to the level that we wanted them to. So it really was important, like you said, for them to come out in this game against Pittsburgh and, and show the world that they're uh, not pretenders. Exactly, yeah. 
Um, but one of the... I think my favorite part about this game is that when they came out, they came out flying, and they were... Like, there, there, there was no way they were going down this game. Uh, first period, shots were 12-7 to 7 for the Oilers. And luckily, the Dentine daddy, I'm chewing a piece of gum in his honor, Evan Bouchard scores his 12th of the year from Connor McDavid and Evander Kane, putting the Oilers up one nothing over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, fun fact, Miles, uh, Taylor and I were actually at the mall when this game was going on, and uh, she, was, uh, she, she, she was shopping for sunglasses. At a at a local lens crafters, and so I was sitting on I was sitting no on the ads. I was sitting on the bench at the LC watching the Oilers game on my phone, and I watched the Evan Bouchard goal live inside the LC, and was like, did my whole yes, but luckily there was nobody around, so n- n- nobody could see me celebrate in public. <laughs> Anyways. Following that up in the second period, at this point, I'm now actually driving home from the mall. So what do I do? Like a psychopath, put the radio on, put the Oilers radio uh, network on. And Jeff Carter scores his 19th of the year to tie it up 1-1 Pittsburgh and Edmonton. But not long after, Evander Kane scores to make it 2-1 Edmonton. And that would basically get the game going from there. Zach Hyman then scores his 26th of the year in the third period. Connor McDavid follows that up with his 44th on the power play. And finishing it all off with the empty net, Zach Cassian puts his 6th of the year home to win it 5-1 for the Edmonton Oilers. And, yeah, whoop Taylor just said in the background, whoop-de-doo, because that's exactly what I thought was whoop-de-doo, Zach, Zach Cassian scored. Uh, my, my dad actually texted me <laughs> and said, okay, Zach, if you're listening, this is my dad. This is not me. My dad said, hey, the pylon scored. It only took an empty net. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty ruthless dad text we love to see a ruthless dad text every now and again was that uh three games against pittsburgh this season or just two i can remember two J- just two just two so they finished yeah. the season the season series against pittsburgh two and oh a uh, little stat nolan Connor mcdavid versus pittsburgh this season had two goals six assists eight points plus seven in those two games played so Connor McDavid was a Miley Cyrus certified wrecking ball against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we certainly love to see that. Do you know what I find really funny about the whole Connor McDavid going into Pittsburgh thing is every time Connor and Sid play, you can tell Connor gets so fucking annoyed in his like pregame in like his pregame interviews, because every time it's like, you know, uh, Connor, uh, You've obviously idolized Sidney Crosby for a very long time. Uh, how 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 badly do you wish you could have played with him at the Olympics? And obviously, Connor has to essentially go. Well, I don't fucking know. I never had to play with him at the Olympics. I don't, yeah, I really would have liked to, and we didn't get to. It fucking sucks. It is what it is. Next question. That's my Connor McDavid. That's uh, well, actually, I do. I think I think I do a pretty good Connor McDavid. It's 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 basically just, yeah, you know, um, yeah, Jess, is, big Jess is really good out there, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Doc sent a really good pass up, and uh, yeah, yeah. Speck, can I talk to you for a sec? Oh man, we need we we need a we need a a beat down by Connor McDavid on Edmonton media soon. I want to see him drunk at a post Stanley Cup uh like oh. presser. 
and they're like how does it feel to win the cup and he's loaded and he's like specter you shut the hell up like, <laughs> just says I, something ruthless i want him to do a version of the uh, nikita kucherov uh press conference from, uh, from last year when cooch just has like all the bud lights around him and he's like joe go <laughs> yeah <He's> honestly like... <laughs> get the shit over with so i can get back to sucking beers actually which is you, essentially how i live you, my life could you could you imagine yes i doing that <laughs> he'd have some weird like off-brand finnish liquor in front of him it wouldn't even be bud light it'd be like ouzo or something i know it's not finnish but that's the only thing that I could come to my mind yaffa's just slurping out of the cup okay let's uh let's not next get too ahead of ourselves because we'll just make ourselves sad um next game Oilers really have literally nothing to play for on the second last game of the season, taking on the San Jose Sharks. And from the puck drop of this game, you can tell they were out for a skate. (laughs) These guys did not care about being there. Um, Obviously still Darnell Nurse missed the game against Pittsburgh as well as the San Jose game and as well as the uh, Vancouver game from Friday night as well. Um, But, Oilers got start. Or Oilers had a slow start. Noah Gregor pops two in the first period, looking like a pretty surefire San Jose win. <clears throat> Second period comes around. Ryan McLeod gets his ninth of the season on the power play. Kyler Yamamoto gets his twentieth of the season. Kyler Yamamoto, a twenty goal scorer. Sneaky little season for Yamo. Very sneaky little good season from Yamo. Um, we love to see it. Uh, then Scott Reedy follows up his seventh of the year. I've literally never heard of this man in my life. So, um, <laughs> congratulations. No disrespect to you. No, no disrespect yeah. to you, Mr. Gregor. Uh, then the Carhartt King, I thought it was Warren. I thought it was Warren Peace, Warren Fogle, but no, it was, it was the Carhartt King. Miles, so much soot in the air. <laughs> you could say, you, you could say there's 10 pounds of soot in the air because Derek you know Ryan scores a 10th of the year. You know what? I actually got on the horn with my uh, with my insider there at Rogers Place in the parking department, and uh, he was telling me a little bit of, a little bit of a story. He said that Derek Ryan's considering trading in the F four fifty with the welding rig on the back of it, simply for resale value, just at the price of trucks right now. That Derek Ryan is is considering making that uh, personal finance decision, trading in the truck he currently has, and upgrading for a newer model of the same truck, simply because the payments would be the same. So. Um, that that is something that I have heard, um, and one thing that I'm really glad about that is it will not affect the soot in the in the air of the inside, interior parking garage of of Rogers Place. The pandemic's really been fucking over the local uh, the local Ford dealers because they can't uh, because they can't get any TCUs for their uh, for their for their F350s. So they're yeah, like, hey, hey, Derek. <laughs> Derek, buddy, I got one coming for you. It's got leather interior, Sirius XM. It's got everything you want, fully loaded, heated and cooled seats, massaging seats for your road trips. Um, but he, yeah, he, I, I've heard that he's going to be making the switch right away, just the plug and play change. But anyway, score a goal. We're proud of him. Happy to see that. 10 goal score. You know what? For a guy that plays on the third, fourth line, can't ask for anything more than that. Uh, Tyson Berry actually also gets his 34th assist on the season which puts him at 40 points in the season two 40 point scoring defensemen on this team and i believe that's the first time in literally like 10 years might even be 12 years probably since like lubomir vizhnovsky and tom gilbert (laughs) blast from the past but we can't just brush over that that that's pretty damn that's pretty damn impressive to have two 40 point scoring defensemen considering that one of them is in his like second nhl season 
And I also think, too, if Darnell Nurse doesn't get hurt, you probably could have seen him go on a bit of a tear to close up the season. He finished off with 35 points. Yeah, he, so, I mean, f- five points in however many games he missed is not insane to think of, especially with some of the teams that were playing. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Very easily could have been three. Um, but then Nick Benino tied it, or actually Nick Benino put them up four to three. Oh, no, that's no good. But whoa, guess who decided to enter the chat? The hot young Swedish defenseman, Abs of Friggin Steel, Philip Broberg, gets his first National Hockey League goal off a sweet dish from Connor McDavid and the secondary assist to Yisip. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Yisipule Arvi back in the saddle, back from the sickness. He was down with the sickness, and now he's back. Uh, Did you see all the stuff on the internet about the Broberg draft day text from McDavid with that goal playing in the background? I actually, that video is so good that it actually almost feels like a bit where where he's like, where they're like, uh, where they're like, have any Oilers reached out to you yet? And he says, "Oh, look, it's a text from Connor McDavid." It's a little, it's a little more natural than that. You're, he's like, uh, I don't know. Let me check. Oh, I got a text here. And he kind of like reads it and you can tell that it's like, Hey buddy, welcome to the team. Looking forward to playing with you. XOXO Connor. And then he's like, Oh, it's from Connor McDavid. So it's a, it's a little bit more delayed than that. It's not like. <laughs> Take a look at me now. Um, which sends <laughs> the, which sends the game into overtime. Um, after San Jose basically tried to keep the play play uh, keep away from Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, um, were very unsuccessful. But unfortunately, Leon neither Leon or Connor could score uh, on uh, Jamison Optimus Rhymer. Um, <laughs> Shut the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the three man unit of Brett Kulak, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Zachary Martin Hyman, who, by the way, Miles, did you know? He's a children's author. I I have heard that he is a published children's author. Did you hear that from your insider? Um, no, he 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 can't read. <laughs> Zachary Hyman scoring his twenty seventh of the year, already extending a career high to win the game in OT for the Oilers. Did you watch like? Did you watch all the guys coming on the ice afterwards? No, man, the vibes. Oh. The Euler, the the 21-22 post-Woodcroft Euler vibes are insane right now. I think you mean post-Tippus Oilers. Or, I, sorry, I was going to say post-Woodcroft hiring. Yes, okay, are there just, we go. Are just completely insane right now. There's just there's just so much good stuff happening right now. Well, what did bi- what did Big so Bob happy. tweet? Big Bob tweeted. Um, so after <laughs> after the game against the Penguins, so we can adjust this. Uh, Jay Woodcroft finished the season. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves at the Vancouver game, um, but he finished the season twenty six nine and three. In completely insane. That that's that's redonkulous. Mm-hmm. He's um. That's like a point seven fifteen win point percentage. I hope Jay Woodcroft makes so much money this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they erect a statue of him. Uh, so to actually, I, I yeah, uh, it's a 0.724 point percentage, points percentage. Even better. I took the under. I will get to in the overall Oilers stats because holy shit, there's a lot to be excited about. Anyways. 
finishing off the San Jose game, they have one more against Van- against the Vancouver oh, Canucks. Oh, there is that? one more thing to say about the Sharks game. What's that? There was a very special person in attendance of that game again, oh once again. Oh my God, thank you for bringing it up. Big Ben was in the house, as always. Love to see him in, in, in the attendance. Nine um, and friggin' oh. Nine and friggin' oh with Big Ben in the, in the crowd. So talk about home ice advantage and the importance of that in the first round. The more Ben, the better. Should we talk about what they did for him before the game? Yes. So. Oh my God. Keep the Kleenex handy because it is it is a bit of a tearjerker. The Oilers brought Ben onto the ice for morning skate, and they they let him score a goal. And then they took the puck, his first goal puck, and taped it and gave it to him, and took a little picture outside of the stand where the players take the pictures of their first goal pucks. And then and then what else did they do? They well, gave him the, okay. First, before you talk about finish it off with what I know you're going for, um, can we talk about his skate lace steez for a second? Sure, just absolutely yucky style on that kid. He's got one blue lace and one orange lace. Legendary, he's a, yeah. He's a he's a, he's a future 50 goal scorer for sure. You can't you can't teach that level of style, like that's no. so, some people are born with it. So maybe it's Maybelline, but it's just looking fantastic on the kid. So we're excited to see that. But Nolan, ben the St- upper deck, Ben Stylter, Ben Stylter, talk about the upper deck, uh, upper daddy. Moment. So Connor McDavid, after he has a nice shower and probably smells really good with his flannel on, uh, meets <laughs> what, Ben. What soap? What okay, as Ooh. as a hockey as a hockey boy? This oh, is a good. I, yeah, I know I'm this is going to be a fun this. one. Yeah, as okay. a hockey boy, there's like three different um, like shower shampoos that guys use. One is Irish Spring. One is um, like the Old Spice, like, and the other one is just like a generic kirkland body wash what so which one do you think connor mcdavid uses i think connor mcdavid uses neither and he's a dove plus men oh i don't hate that i don't hate that because these guys are in the nhl they're not yeah. you know playing double in regina so they're probably yeah. using a little bit better shampoo but i'm thinking he's an irish spring guy i also think too that he's that he's definitely that lauren's keeping him up to date on the skincare routine too oh yeah it's yeah it's probably not even branded it's probably all organic like lavender based how many like over under oilers that uh do face masks once a week oh over over 10 yeah easily yeah i yeah, like I'd... you're a skincare guy too you care you care about your skin a little bit yeah, yeah I'm, getting, I'm... I'm getting into it slowly but surely skincare is one of my pill was one of my new year's pillars a few years ago and it's something that i'm happy to say i've kept up with a cleaner and uh face mask probably every every other week i'd say once every two weeks i do one sometimes more sometimes less but um clean your face every day morning and night and and do a little face mask there's nothing wrong with guys doing skincare not no, a damn want, thing you want to look you want to look young for the rest of your life and you know what the from what i hear i think i think the ladies appreciate a guy who takes care of their skin from what I've heard, hypothetically. Yeah, 100, 110%. I know that when I have super dry skin, Taylor will look at my... And also when I do this to her, because I get like I get the I get like the lines on my head. It's like, mm-hmm. stop it. You're going to give yourself 
wrinkles. <laughs> Guess what? I already have wrinkles. Guess what? I'm nearly 30. Tough to say, tough to hear, but it's true. Both of us. Anywho, um, can I tell you a quick skincare story? I know we're absolutely off the rails, but it's funny. <laughs> absolutely. Go ahead. So I work in the agriculture industry, correct? And it's it's a fairly uh, conservative industry, some might say. So we're in Swift Current, Saskatchewan for a I training hope, event. I hope this doesn't end with you being called a bee. No, it doesn't. Okay, good. Um, no worries there. But uh, I, I'm at a, I'm, I'm in Swift Current for a training event, and I'm staying in a hotel. So if I'm staying in a hotel, I'm going to do a face mask. Like obviously, mm-hmm. it's just an it's an excuse. It's easy cleanup, and I don't have to worry about washing the the um, face towels. I don't have to care about it, right? Yeah. So I throw on like a avocado like face scrub kind of thing that I got, and I've got it on in my face is green and i'm all covered up and i'm sending a snap to west coast mel and my dad and i are sharing a room with this and he's like what in god's name is on your face i don't say anything he just sees a camera flash and he's like and you're taking a picture of it who are you sending that to and he's just like losing it he's flabbergasted and so i'm like come on like what's wrong with we have the same discussion that we're having i was like what's wrong with you know caring about your skin you like gotta gotta keep looking young i was like you've never done one and he's like no i've never done one and reaches over and grabs his phone and takes a picture of me in bed with a face mask on so i'm just waiting for him to like post that all over the lunchroom or something like that just to absolutely body me but you know what no shame and i'm proud to admit it so if uh if anybody's listening uh face skincare routine sponsored by miles approved by miles i wanna i think that we should both um i i need to find my picture because i think it's on my i think it's on my now busted macbook that i need to get fixed up but I think we should try and compare the two pictures of the one your dad took of you on the bed with the face mask and the one that my dad took of me when I lived like when I lived at home with my dad. And I basically was sitting or was laying in my bed with my nails shirt on watching TV and I was eating a grilled cheese sandwich with a face mask. No, it, not with a face mask, just me in bed eating a grilled cheese sandwich. It's a really funny picture. <laughs> I think I think I like I bring that up to Luke all the time and he lo- and he loses it from how from just how outrageous he found that picture. <laughs> I want to see that. We'll pitch stick we'll pick stitch them together and we'll post them if the Oilers win the cup. Dope. Sounds bueno. good. Bueno. Bueno. Okay. Getting back to what we were talking about. Um after Connor McDavid is all Nicely, freshly, looking good, smelling clean. Ain't nobody dope as me. I'm just so fr- so fresh and so clean and clean. Uh, anyways, Connor McDavid comes up to Ben Stelter, the man of the hour, and presents him with an upper deck hockey card with the picture of Ben and Connor. Like... Oh my god. It can't get cuter. It, it literally, it literally cannot can't, get cuter. It literally can't get cuter. And they handed these cards out at the game um against the Sharks, which is just so cool to see. And just once again, the Oilers completely killing it with regards to just making this kid's dream come true. And uh really, 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 really doing incredibly um incredibly great stuff. Um one quick thing I did want to mention because it did come out today. Um, there's people that are on eBay selling those cards, which is really scummy and gross. And if you're doing that, like, give your fucking head a shake. Seriously. 
No, if you're doing that, there's only one acceptable way to do that. And that's if 100% of the proceeds made from that card sale go to like um, a sick kids foundation. Yeah, uh, that's the only way that's the only way I could stomach somebody doing that. But you know, that people who are doing that aren't doing that for the right reasons. Like that's scummy. But I would I would love to have had that keepsake you know what i mean yeah that would be fantastic they i think that there have been discussions with upper deck where they're they might be selling the card um with all proceeds going to either the family or to like a children's hospital or something like that um which is great to see if and if that's available please or edmonton oilers upper deck hockey nhl please make that available because we would i know that i would absolutely buy one i know there's two sales right here yeah exactly and a plethora um, of people listening because everybody that listens to the show that I've talked to about Ben it, are like all in. Yeah, a hundred percent. You need you you need to be all in on this kid. Um. Okay. So let's just quickly go through this uh, this Canucks game, which I will say, <laughs> I I stopped watching after the first. And I'm an I'm a diehard watch every game guy, and I watched one period of this and went yuck and went to bed. Um. So I basically titled this, yeah, sure, okay, goodbye regular season, uh, because both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl sit out this game for load management protective purposes, which is perfectly okay in my books, keep the guys out. Uh, and, uh, initially Canucks went up one, nothing. The shots after the first period were actually kind of ridiculous. I want to see if I can find them quickly. Um... I think that they were like 20 to six or something like that after the first period for, for the Canucks. Cause the Canucks were just like, Oh, this will be an easy win. Um, hold on. Let me, let me, let me see here. Uh, JT Miller scored his 32nd of the year, giving him 99 points in the season, by the way, big year for JT Miller. I, I I'd be remiss if we, if we did not mention him, we talked a lot of shit about the Canucks this year and JT Miller had a really good season. Yeah. Um, Oh, shots were where was Bo Horvat in the 100 points? Did Bo Chris. Horvat e- even get a point in this game? Uh, he did He did not even play. Well, that's too bad Rockstar. for Bo Horvat. Fucking loser. Uh, anyways. <laughs> He's a really good guy. We just like making fun of him. <laughs> uh, shots were 17-6 to six after the first period for the Canucks, which is just hilarious. But... Anyways, third period comes around. Yeah, the second period had literally no goals. Um, it was funny because I was kind of paying attention on Twitter a little bit when I was sort of going to bed, and I saw the I saw the tweet that said, um, uh, the oh the the second period has started, and then there was absolutely nothing, and then it said, uh, looks like we're gonna need one more frame to decide this game. <laughs> so there was just <laughs> nothing going on. Uh, Every, everybody took the night off. <laughs> Brett Kulak ties it up with his fifth of the season. Then Connor Garland scores a, a pretty nasty goal uh, for his 19th of the season on Mikko Koskinen. Then, nine minutes into the third, Tyson Berry scores his seventh of the season, giving him 41 points on the year. Apples to Zach Cassian and Derek Broussard to tie it up 2-2 Edmonton and Vancouver. Then it goes to the shootout. And, Miles, who do you think saved the day in the shootout? Kyle Torres. Devin Shore. 
I said Kyle Turris because uh, that's how the season started was a shootout victory yeah. against Vancouver on the stick of Sir, of one Sir Kyle Turris. And I was just would have loved the poetry to be completed by a, a season victory again at the hands of Kyle Turris. But instead, we got Devin Shore. And honestly, the secret weapon, <laughs> the secret weapon, the best hairline on the Oilers team. <laughs> oh goodness okay uh shots uh 41 to 33 for the canucks uh beat them in the face off dot yeah um congratulations canucks you uh you took a point away from the shorthanded edmonton oilers goodbye the regular season um final tally what was it 49 wins for the oilers and the 49 27 and 6 record boy um if you would have told me when this team was like six points out of a playoff spot <laughs> would not have believed that whatsoever so when they lost 19 games in a row with dave tippett if you told me they were going to finish second in pacific i would have slapped you and 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 ken holland was up on was up at a press table saying oh well, uh, i'm not gonna fire the coach because uh, i don't really feel comfortable about it but uh man thank god for jay woodcroft um anyways do you want to get into some overall thoughts or actually miles what were your thoughts on the season just just overall i know that that's kind of a loaded question but yeah i mean like how do you just drop that on somebody um it, it was it was a good season i mean all, all things considered there was like the the highs of the start of the year when they were playing out of their freaking minds and everybody like uh, analytically were just not where they needed to be but were somehow winning every freaking game they played so that was exciting that was fun and then they kind of came back to earth and they were still a good team still fun to watch everything like that um and then they had the tumultuous trough of losses um the emotional roller coaster of hiring uh or bringing on Jay Woodcroft is the coach and watching this team turn itself around all of the kind of storylines that were inside of the team this year, the emergence of Ben, like as a motivational factor, um, a lot of individual success, a lot of team success overall. And yeah, in general, I think this has been one of, I mean, this is our second year doing the pod, but um, this was probably one of my favorite Oilers seasons. Um, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, this was this was a very good regular season. I was really, I've been really happy with this team, and I've been pr- genuine. Well, I've been generally pretty happy with this team. Yeah, I think the 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 best part about it is that this team has faced adversity so many times, and have and have 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 all have all overcome it um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, you can get down to the um, you can get down to the the guys that were struggling, the overall team performance, um, some of the controversies you could say on and off the ice, uh, looking at you, Evander Kane, looking at you, Duncan Keith, um, and being able to move on from that. You can look at the goaltending controversy that has been going on all season, which is crazy to think that Miko Koskinen, who's leading this team in wins with 27 wins, is not even going to be the bona fide starter for the playoffs. Um there's just and even like the Josh Archibald factor too. You factor in the idea that there's a 1.5 million dollar cap hit that these guys couldn't even move at the deadline uh, unless they put a sweetener on it, and he's just on the roster because you can't really do anything with him because he won't get a he won't get vaccinated. Um, the emergence of some of the young guys on the seat on 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 the year, especially like I mean, Jesse Puliyarvi, Kyler Yamamoto. Um, Evan Bouchard, yeah. Fogel had a like had an okay little season. Like the the storyline of the, finish, had an yeah. okay finish, yeah. 
the guys that got brought onto this, like Hyman was a terrific player, terrific addition. Uh, Kulak at the deadline. Like there's been a lot of really positive bright spots for this team. I think the, honestly, I think the, the, the best move Ken Holland has made um, probably as the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers is as it stands right now, Cody Cece. Um, four years at $3.25 million for a guy that plays in your top four no matter what and is good, especially in this system under Jay Woodcroft, um, is really special. And I don't, and I think that that's a, that's a ton of value that you can't look past whatsoever. Um, yeah, and he definitely flies under the radar. He's kind of got a defenseman, have the offensive lineman um, kind of defensive defensemen have the offensive lineman issue around them where like no news about them is kind of good news and you want them to just be like staunch producers mm-hmm. as it were in terms of like the the defensive numbers that you need them to put up so it's like no news is good news you're never really talking about an o-lineman having a great season just because there's nothing to talk about they have low pressures low sacks and it's the same thing like he's not on the ice for a lot of goals swiss army knife and he plays good hockey makes the guys around him better so cody yeah. cc has definitely been an addition, Codeth CC of Ottawa. Also wanted to mention, too, this is the first time the Oilers have had five 20-goal scorers. Um, I Actually, I shouldn't even say this is the first time since because I literally don't know when the last time they had five 20-goal scorers was. Um, probably the 80s. No, probably like the... I don't even know if the 16-17 season had, had five 20-goal scorers. Like the... Because um, I know Luch had... I know Luch had 20 goals. Um, I'm actually currently looking it up. Uh, they only had four 20 goals. Or no, they, oh, sorry. They had five. They had five on the 2016-17 season. Who was it? McDavid, Dry, Luch. Yeah. Keep going. Nuge? Nope. Really? Yeah. Come on. Everly had 20 that year? Yep. And <laughs> was it, it wouldn't have been David DeHarnay, would it? Nope. No, I don't know. I can't think of who the fifth Play, would have been. Played on the line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I can't even remember that team. I've killed too many brain cells. The big rig, my guy. No way. Pat Maroon had 20 that year. Dude, he had 27 goals. <sighs> Maroon 5. We miss you so much. I miss that guy. God. And, and, and you know 100% that even though he plays on Tampa, he's definitely cheering on the Oilers. Oh, for sure. He's definitely cheering on his boys. He, you know what, man? He's probably cheering for the Blues, but also the Oilers. That's his hometown. I bet he's, he's still a Blues he's fan. he's still he's still really close with a lot of the guys here. Like I think he still goes up to like dinner with McDavid and Drysaddle and stuff. Oh, that's cute. That is really cute. Um, so I just wanted to quickly go over some overall stats before we get into the um discussion about sort of LA and then eventually get into the playoffs in general. But um, a couple of couple of numbers for you. So overall, the team finished 11th in points, 11th in points percentage. So pretty good. Um, we like to see that. However, since the Woodcroft hiring, they finished second in points. So since February 10th, the day Jay Woodcroft got hired, second in the NHL in points, third in points percentage. Completely wild. Very nice to see. I think their only bad game, like, bad game that i can think of under woodcroft was that matt like the nine two or nine five loss to the flames yeah i don't know 
some of those Minnesota games, I think we're not we're we're not we're not particularly Stinky. good. Yeah, fair, I think that I think that there's um I think that the way you have to look at this season is you have to take those really bad losses as sort of the ends of chapters and the things that the team has learned along the way, um, because the team that lost to Minnesota five one you know two weeks ago or however long that was is not the same team that lost nine to five against the Calgary Flames. Um, I think that there's been little things and, and Jay Woodcroft has been very, has been very pointed about this in his press conferences is like, we're taking it day by day and we're trying to instill messages and instill confidence in our group that we can, we can reach our potential. And it's just a matter of us believing in ourselves and being able to get proper guidance. I don't know if you saw the, uh, or heard of the clip from Derek Ryan, um, that from that was from the other day, but basically they asked him about the difference between Wood, obviously the classic like difference between Woodcroft and previous coaching staff, and like gloves off. Derek Ryan basically said, you know, what he's been teaching us, um, what he's been teaching us, like what to do. Uh, and has been teaching us things within the system. Whereas beforehand, when things weren't going well for us, we were basically just told to work harder. Which is uh, that's a bit of a that's a a bit of a tough look for Mr. That's Dave a Tippett. that's a shot. Like oh, 100%. that's a direct shot at a guy. Um, that's a really interesting tidbit from Derek Ryan too, because that's a guy who's played like a couple games that 420 games in the NHL. He's been playing in the league since 20. 16 2015 so he's played in carolina calgary and edmonton and on some not terrific teams as well so he's been through a few coaches so for kind of a journeyman uh 35 year old professional hockey player to say that it's it's definitely uh speaks to woodcroft's character as a coach and like the impact that he's had on the team so i know a lot of people might brush by that just given that it's Derek ryan and not Connor McDavid directly saying that, but I mean, yeah, that's huge. That's a great thing to hear from, from a role player like that. Um, and I wanted to mention this too, and it just, because it's, it's just a little, it's probably not really like a, not like a news piece or anything, but it's something that I did find a little interesting was, um, obviously, uh, the biggest hockey podcast out there did a interview with Wayne Gretzky. Um, and so I, I listened to that because I wanted to hear the Wayne interview, uh, but I also listened to their, uh, they kind of did like a, a preview of the Kings Oilers matchup in the first round. And, um, Whitney actually said something pretty interesting about Woodcroft. He said like the team loves playing for this guy. He said that the, he believes that there's no team in the NHL that loves playing for their head coach more than Jay Woodcroft. And that's I, a guy that like that's a guy that like knows Connor McDavid and Drysidle and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's he's also a bit of a homer, like a bit of an Oilers homer too. So I yeah. take that maybe with with a bit of a grain of salt because I think of some other coaches that like have very like players love right. Like I think yeah, that like the John guys Cooper. in and the guys in Carolina love I think playing for Brendan Moore yeah. as well. Like he's hard on them, but he gets the most out of his guys. Um, but I. Th- I, I would like, obviously I'm not going to disagree with what Whitney's saying because like, who the fuck do I know in the NHL? But um, I don't know if there's a team that would be more appreciative of their head coach than the Oilers. No, because I think they're starting to, they're seeing that the buy-in into the system is showing results. And, right. And the what the they've, day, what like, they've been through this season as a team too. Right. I think that they're very appreciative and aren't, aren't taking this, this Woodcroft hiring for, 
for granted, right? Or really rolling with the opportunity that they have in front of them. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, so another quick little tidbit was uh, since Jay Woodcroft has taken over, um, eighth in shots, four percentage, 10th in expected goals, four percentage, uh, sixth in high danger chances, four percentage. Uh, so pretty well right around the top 10 in almost every underlying category in the league. And this is a team that really at the end of the Dave Tippett era was um, really, really bad. Um, being outshot on a regular basis, uh, giving up high danger. Ch- like, um, what game was it? Uh, I think it was the San Jose game where they just basically weren't really trying. And the amount of breakaways they had. And I'm like, man, this is like a flashback to Tippett level hockey. Because like, remember how many freaking breakaways every other team had or two on ones or whatever? when Dave Tippett was the coach, even last season, like Mike Smith deserves a a round of applause for the work that he did in between the pipes last season, because he was tremendous considering the amount of brutal, brutal, uh, you know, almost inevitable goals that were on the way into the net. And he somehow was able to stop all of them. So um, I think when you give goalies a chance to stop, to stop pucks, because you're not leaking high danger chances all the time, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. And, um, you know, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna speak volumes across the entire team. So, um, really, 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 really good stuff to see. Um, then any, yeah. So just overall, I mean, we kind of went over everything, um, for thoughts. It, it, what would you, well, it's actually funny is, uh, the person that finished, uh, f- for the first, the person that finished second on the team in plus minus actually is Evander Kane. Which I think is really funny. It is funny. Um, um, speaking of Evander Kane, obviously mid midseason edition, we've obviously talked lots about um, the on the ice, off the ice, everything all involved. But I mean, at the end of the day, tremendous addition this off or this season: twenty two goals, seventeen assists for twenty or for thirty nine points in forty three games. Damn near pointing game player uh, on the line with McDavid and Pooley RV. So really good stuff to see. I've been a big fan of Brett Kulak. I do hope they bring Brett Kulak back because I think he's a really, really, really stabilizing force. Great skater. Um, and just overall, I mean, you got to have a good a good old Stony Plain Alberta boy on, on the hey, team. You don't want it to sound like too much of a, a boomer sports fan, but there's something to be said about having a hometown guy. 100%. That- that can that can play in the role that he's got and is playing in that role well. Same thing with Derek Ryan, right? As a former U of A Golden Bear, mm-hmm. a great guy to have on the team. They they find another gear come playoff times because they've got a little bit more pride in the team. But Nolan, that being said, yes, Oilers Kings first round, game one yes. May second, game two May fourth. Series transitions to Los Angeles for game three on May sixth, game four on May eighth. And Game 5 would be back in Edmonton May 10th. Game 6 would be in LA on May 12th. And Game 7 would be May 14th in Edmonton. As we've mentioned, home ice in the first round is secure. And Game 1 goes tomorrow. Um, I'm, I know this is going to kind of sound like a bit of an oxymoron, but I'm nervously calm if that makes sense. Um, I have confidence in this team. I have confidence that they can pull this off. Um, I think that everybody's buying in, and I think most importantly, this is a fresh slate for everybody on this team. Is 
you know, no matter how many points you had going into this going into this season, I'm talking all 23 guys on the roster, all or all 23 guys in the active roster. I'm talking guys like Connor. I'm talking guys like Leon. I'm talking guys like, you know, Kyler Yamamoto. I'm even talking guys like Zach Cassian. This is the moment that these guys can really make a name for themselves on this squad and really put their impact on this team for the season. It doesn't matter what you've done the previous 82 games. It's what it's about getting those next 16 wins. And I think that this team has learned a lot over the last little while and is ready to take that next step and move on to the next round. Um, I'm a little worried about the Kopitar Dino matchup. That does scare me a little bit with regards sure. to taking on the two top two, and especially Philip Dino. Philip Dino scares the ever loving shit out of me. Oh, playoff um, Dino and playoff Kopitar are gross. Are are like forces. And you've got Dustin Brown, who's in his last season, confirmed per Darren because he decided that he's retiring from the league. Uh, thank 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 goodness, because. Dustin Brown does not need to be in the league anymore. It's okay. Just Honest to goodness question, is Drew Doughty playing in this series or is he no. still hurt? Nope, he's yeah. out the entire series. So this this should be a pretty convincing win for the Oilers. Um, goaltending has been, for lack of a better term, sus on behalf of the Los Angeles Kings over the last really two months or so. Um, both Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick have not been very good. But... They have that team with like emerging young talent. Like I could see someone like Sean Dursey scoring a goal in overtime and making me really fucking angry. I could see a guy like I or I could see a guy like Alex Iafalo. Um Adrian you know, Tempe still got a lot of upside. He's a very yeah. good hockey player as well. Like they're they're not a easy like no. I agree in your statement that like you feel calm about it, but they're a team that's like this is probably the the matchup that the Kings wanted the most because yeah. they knew that they knew that they weren't going to weren't going to get a wild card matchup with the Stars of the Preds. Um, they didn't want the Flames. I don't think they wanted the Flames. Um, I think they've wanted the Oilers, and I think that they've had that circled for a really long time. And yeah. not to say that the Oilers haven't either. Like the writing's been on the wall for this one for a very long time that it was going to be the two three Pacific matchup. So this is one that I think both teams have watched a lot of film for. The coaching staffs are going to have a lot of notes. Um, another little storyline about this is that the Oilers are taking on former coach Todd McClellan behind the bench for the Kings now. Um, so he knows who he's playing against. He knows the tendencies he's, of a lot of these guys that he's going up against. So he's that's something facing off against his apprentice too. Exactly. Woodcroft. Exactly. So it's going to be, this is going to be two very well coached teams playing some pretty good hockey. Miles, with that being said, um, I don't know, maybe we can, Maybe we can factor this in into if knock on wood the Oilers go on a playoff run um, every series. But um, who's going to be your let's say who's going to be your player to watch this series for both teams or just the Oilers? Just the Oilers. Um, that's a good question because I feel like the the obvious one is Connor McDavid because you want to see what the four time Art Ross Trophy winning player is going to do in a playoff that he's under the microscope for playing like you mentioned in some pretty intense defensive matchups against the Kings. Uh, so you're going to want to see how he's going to bounce back from last year when he was played very heavily, uh, very aggressively against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so I think that it's, it's very easy to say that Connor McDavid's the guy to watch best player in the NHL. Like obviously he's going to be the biggest guy, biggest guy to watch my sleeper, I guess, for a guy that could have a good seat or a good series. And I don't even know if I'd really classify him as a sleeper, 
but Evander Kane, I think is going to be a very big difference maker in this series. And I think is, is my guy to watch. He's got a hot stick. He's playing on that line with McDavid. He brings that tenacity that I don't think that they had last playoffs against the jets to dig pucks out of the corner and forecheck and apply pressure to allow McDavid to make space for himself in the offensive zone. So I think that he's going to be a really important piece for McDavid's production overall, and is going to obviously be a huge beneficiary of playing with McDavid. So um, yeah, I don't think that he's a sleeper pick, but I think that he's my guy that I'm definitely going to be watching to have like a very explosive series. I think mine is going to be Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Um, I think that the ability for him to take advantage of those of those bottom six line matchups against Todd McClellan's team is going to be really important. Um, having guys on his line in Warren Fogle and Derek Ryan, two guys that can just get to the front of the net, two guys that can really work the corners incredibly well. Um, and especially with two guys in that line and Derek Ryan and Nuge that are both so like cerebral, they think the game so well, they're so smart, they know where to go. Um, I think that's going to be a line that can really expose a lot of the mishaps of like bottom pairings, like the young, the younger, more rookie pairings on the Los Angeles Kings. So, um, I think that's something to definitely look out for. Um, for sure. And they're going to have favorable matchups as well mm -hmm. as the third line. Right. So they have, they have an opportunity to produce and an opportunity to explode. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So what is your final prediction for this series? Um, Oilers in five. I've got Oilers in six. Oilers in six. Hey, yeah. very close, very similar. I think I that need... the I think the Kings are going to get one in ho at home, and then the Oilers are going to be pretty motivated and are going to be pretty good. I think that they're going to do it in five. I also need the Oilers to win in less than seven because I have tickets to go see Pup on May the fourteenth, which is supposed to be the day of Game Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Please, for the love of God, help me out, Oilers. <laughs> um. Okay. So let's quickly talk about some NHL stuff and then we will get to our overall playoff predictions and then we'll get the hell out of here tonight. First and foremost, this is a nice little nugget. I mean, I'm hoping everyone saw this. Malcolm Subban, who I believe is the goalie for the Rochester Americans, the Buffalo Sabres AHL affiliate. He's been kind of called up and down between the, between the Buffalo Sabres. So technically, he is a Buffalo Sabre. Malcolm Subban sang the national anthem um, I can't remember which game it was against. I believe it was, it was against the Blackhawks, which yeah, is pretty cool because he was, he's a former Blackhawk as well. So those guys oh, on yeah. that side, that on that, uh, the guys on that side, know him, the guys on the Sabres obviously know him. So to have him sing the national anthem in front of a number of guys he sat in the locker room with is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Did, um, I can't, did he actually play in that game? No, I think he was, no. uh, no, no, but yeah, but but. He did a pretty damn good job. He's yeah, he sounded really good. Yeah, he definitely held his own. Um, didn't go for any crazy notes, which you know, I gotta be gotta be respectful, you gotta know your range a little bit. Um, but like you get a little nervous when you have an athlete coming out to sing the anthem because you don't know what you're expecting. But yeah, got a pretty good voice. You did a good I get, job. I get nervous when I see anybody singing the national anthem. Yeah, fair enough. Roseanne it's... Bard. <laughs> I still think... Roseanne Barr, I don't know. I still think of the uh, the woman at the the woman at the uh, friggin' winter or the Heritage Classic this year. Oh man, that was that was so rough. <laughs> I feel so bad for. Her. It's kind of funny that they had a Canadian player 
only sing the American anthem. <laughs> I mean, I get I get that it's based on the two teams that are playing, but it was just kind of funny that they had a Canadian singing the anthem for the American teams. It is really funny. Um, Miles, did you have uh, have some things you wanted to talk about from the NHL this season? Or from uh, hockey, uh, I yeah. guess. Yes, I think that one of the stories that I found funny or um, validating is the fall good chug. Is that a hydro flask? Thermal flask, yes. Thermal flask, nice. And it's green. Do you like the hike? How many windbreakers do you have? (laughs) 69. Yeah, that don't have nearly enough stickers on that water bottle, though. You got to have some from every trail you've hiked. I had a... Which water bottle did I have? And I and I oh I had a I had a black water bottle and I had a Mac sticker on it. A Mac like Mac trucks? No, like Apple. Like oh, Apple cool, <laughs> cool. Um, yes, but Nolan, the story that I wanted to talk about, uh, especially and like I was saying, it's validating from last year um, because we were haters of the Montreal Canadiens who took things all the way to the Stanley Cup final. That's no surprise to anybody that we were talking mad shit about them all season. Uh, But they are the first team in NHL history, a league that is over 100 years old, to go from the Stanley Cup final one year to finishing dead last the next. And I know that they traded some pieces. They lost some players in the offseason. I I don't think that they were ever really in the, like, let's go back to the Cup boys kind of run. But it's just... I just think it's funny that they went from Stanley Cup final to the first team to go 30 finish 32nd in the league. It is really funny. They're going from they're going uh from potential winners of the Stanley Cup to potential winners of the draft lottery. Hey, Shane Wright, baby. Swish. Kingston's not that far from Montreal. <sighs> Kingston's such a good city. I love Kingston so much. Um I wanted to mention uh Speaking of teams that were just, um, were just oh, get your tap dancing shoes on, baby. Speaking of teams that were just had pretty disappointing seasons, pour one out for the Vegas Golden Knights. Actually, should we even pour one out? I don't think we should. I think you pour, I think you it, pour one out for like Robin Leonard, and maybe that's it. Logan Thompson, because Logan yeah. Thompson played his heart out. But man, I despise that organization. And I'm really happy that that organization missed the Stanley Cup playoffs. It makes me really happy. I can understand the. Sorry, I just just give me one second. I I I I can understand the argument of like it's bad for the NHL because they made these big bold moves, and you want the you want teams to make big bold moves and to try and get as much talent as they can. Um, But it's really funny. It's validating to hockey fans, I think, in general, that like what. Tampa did last year was shitty in terms of circumventing the cap. Like I understand that the numbers are in place um, as like a parameter and that if teams are able to work the books a certain way that makes it more advantageous for them, that that's like a benefit to them and that that's just the opportunity cost of having good numbers, people and good accountants on your side. Right. I understand the competitive advantage that comes with being able to work numbers that is not lost on me, but it is, nice for hockey fans in general to see Vegas get their just desserts for trying to copy the Vegas format or try to copy the Tampa format to circumvent the cap, get into the playoffs and then just light everybody up. I also think that, that these teams too need to realize that the reason why Tampa can do that and can afford to get away with that is because they have one of the best development teams in 
NHL history. Like, the Syracuse Crunch, year after year, are churning out NHL talent, whether or not they're first-liners or they're fourth-liners that somehow pot 15 goals. Like, their AHL affiliate is constantly putting out talent, and that, like, you can only go so far by trading for big names with big money on the books and somehow thinking that that's going to help you and you that you can scratch these guys because you you somehow in your mind think that you have the talent you can call up to sort of cover for your losses but it's it's really poetic justice more than anything um we'd be remiss to be talking about Vegas uh, and not talk about Jack Eichel Nolan what yes. were your thoughts on like cuz we don't like Jack Eichel's a good hockey player I don't know yeah. if he's a good person, but he's a good hockey player. And like you were saying about what's good for the NHL is having their best players in the spotlight. Um, in 34 games for the Vegas Golden Knights, he had 14 goals, 11 assists, 25 points, uh, 10 pims, and he was a plus three. Okay. Yep. Let's compare that to the numbers for the guys that got traded, sent back the other way. Alex Tuck in Buffalo had 50 games for the Sabres, 12 goals, 26 assists, 38 points was a dash three. Fine. Buffalo is not a very good defensive team, but 38 points in 50 games for Alex Tuck. Pretty damn good. Um, that would be his second best statistical season in the NHL. And that was after playing, you know, um, not not his whole season there. Not like, you know, he only had 50 games in a Sabres uniform. So good for him. Peyton Krebs, the big guy going the other way, 48 games for the Sabres, seven goals, 15 assists, 22 points, 20 pims and a dash 20. But uh, Peyton Krebs, uh, was obviously the the golden child that was in this deal to give um, give the Sabers their their young gun piece, and I think that if you're looking strictly at this season, I think the Sabers kind of won that one with the production that they got from Tuck and Krebs. Yeah, and I think that there's so we talk about like talent, right, and and how important it is to acquire talent. I think in certain markets' case in certain markets cases there is a value in guys that want to be players for your team so in the buffalo sabers instance there's value in guys that want to be buffalo sabers and guys that embody being a saber alex tuck is exactly that and i think that that is the biggest piece of this whole of 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 this whole deal it isn't jack eichel going to vegas it's Buffalo acquiring Alex Tuck. This guy is a Syracuse, like sort of Northern New Yorker guy. Um, he's from the area and by all accounts loves playing for this team already. Um, I I mentioned vibes earlier when it came to the Edmonton Oilers, but dude, the Buffalo Sabres got some good vibes going right now. Like they had a good end to the year, man. They're a team that looks like they have a lot of fun playing and I watched the first few games of Owen Power. Owen Power looks pretty good. Um, I think he's going to have a hell of a case for maybe a potential Calder run next year. Um, Rasmus Dahlin really got his shit figured out towards the end of the season and is once again fast-tracking himself towards being a, a superstar number one defenseman. Um, and and, and the, the talent in the pipeline. They've got uh, um, uh, Jack Quinn and uh, John... John is it John Jacob Paterka? I I can't remember what his what his middle name is, but 
Um, they've, they've got a, a lot of young talent, and the more young talent you infuse into your lineup and you have growing as a part of this Buffalo Sabres culture is really important. And I think that this could be a team that over the next two years or so, adding another potential lottery pick into this, I mean, hell, they they get Shane Wright. That's your that's your replacement right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, guys that actually want to be there is a huge, yeah. huge point of it. And it's that's that's really cool to see out of the Buffalo Sabers. So I'm 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 very bullish on their future. I I really love their head coach. I think Don Granato's done a fantastic job considering sort of the the uh, the fallout of the Jack Eichel saga. I just um you know with vibes. I don't know if I don't like Jack Eichel's vibes a whole lot. I was literally just gonna say I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. But did you see the eye roll in the I, handshake? I, I did see the eye roll. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, when the Knights lost in the shootout one of however many times, um, it was the final kind of the final nail in the coffin. Like it was a must win two point game for them. If they didn't get two points, they were like done, done mathematically. Um, and they lost. And then the team handshake, Eichel, like looked totally disengaged, rolled his eyes and looked like he didn't even really want to be there. I get it because this is a guy who was a number two overall pick is a good hockey player, had a lot of questions around his future as an NHL player and his health and everything like that. Um, Obviously is competitive, wants to be in the playoffs and not being in the playoffs is going to be a disappointment. But I think that as a professional athlete, you need to control your emotions a little bit better when you know you're going to be in the spotlight. I think he did a bit of a poor job handling that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand the the frustration with not having played in one playoff game in your seven-year career, but maybe there is something about taking a look in the mirror and saying, what am I maybe doing wrong? And I think that's going to be an, that's going to be an important question for Jack Eichel to ask himself going forward this offseason. I just hope it makes him... It gives him more drive because I, I like yeah. Jack Eichel. I want to see too, Jack yeah. Eichel score a shitload of cool goals and never against the Oilers. But I just want to see him like live up to the hype that he had because he's a really good hockey player. So it's good for the game. It's good for him to score some cool goals. Um. Okay. Uh. Miles, do you have any other things you wanted to mention hockey related? No, because I just want to talk about the playoffs, baby. Okay, I have one more. I have a couple more things I want to say. And oh, then we sorry, can, poor transition. No, 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 it's okay. Um, <laughs> just uh, a couple of a couple of, or actually, you know what? We're we're just gonna make it uh, one quick thing. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but I, I want to give a shout out to Brock Besser. Um, oh yeah, I did. There see is that. the um, they did their exit interviews today uh, with the media, and he was questioned by one of the reporters about. Uh, about the con- the worsening condition, his father Duke. Sorry, um, they were basically asking about his father Duke um, because I guess he's been battling some early onset uh, dementia, and it's been kind of not been help. Or it's been affecting Brock Besser personally and also his game. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I I really just wanted to just give our just give our thoughts out to Brock Besser and his family. Um, the when you got asked the question, that was one of the toughest things we've had to watch all all season for any hockey player. So I just want to give a shout out to him and uh, wish all the best for his family going forward. Absolutely, man. Tough, tough to watch, but it's a nice reminder too that you know these guys are are people, not yeah. just not just athletes for our enjoyment. That they've got things going on in their own lives, and 
um, reminiscent of like TJ Oshie a few years ago um, oh, when, yeah. when the Capitals won the cup and all the emotions that were flooding through him with his situation with his dad. And um, obviously, you know, as you get older, you kind of realize the mortality that people have, especially your parents. So very difficult to see that from a perspective of a young man and definitely don't wish that on anybody. So Brock Besser, I hope he has a, a rejuvenating off season and gets to spend some time with his family and gets to get his mind right so that he can come back next year and, and be the best version of himself possible. hundred percent. I actually saw, I actually saw a Canucks fan that tweeted out in response to one of the, one of the clips basically said, you know, I'd be okay if the Canucks moved him to like Minnesota so that he could be closer to home and just to be able to be with his family. Cause I think that's really what he needs more than anything right now. It's just time to be with his family. Um, so I hope it all goes well for them, but, uh, bit of a tough transition but uh shall we get into the playoffs discussion miles i think so nolan because with uh with with all the sadness that is around life it's important that we take a look at the things that bring us joy and the playoffs are a new chapter for hockey fans or an exciting chapter for hockey fans Um, if your team isn't in the playoffs it's a cool opportunity to um, be taken under the wing of another franchise and cheer for another franchise. I hate to use the term bandwagon, but you get to jump on board with a team that you don't usually find yourself able to cheer for and, you know, get invested and get excited about some more meaningful games and watch a different style of game. So it's playoff season and we are excited to watch the NHL playoffs again back for another year where teams are all battling to get 16 wins so that they can hoist Lord Stanley's cup above their head. It's 34 pounds, but it feels weightless when you win it. Nolan. Did you copy that from like NHL 14 or something like that? Yeah. I don't even know if it's 34. I think it might be <laughs> 37. But that <laughs> is one from a guy that's played a lot of NHL 10 and, and, uh, in, in did franchises where I won the Stanley cup multiple times. I've definitely heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Honestly. I love it. Do you want to start out East or do you want to do the West? Uh, let's do the West, then we'll do the East, and then we'll just kind of we'll kind of flip flop back over. That sounds good with you. That'll work for me. First series, then Nolan. Yes. Might as well start with the with the top dogs of the West, the big dogs, the Colorado Avalanche are <laughs> playing. <laughs> ruff, 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 are playing against the Nashville Predators, baby. So, story of the series is this is the wagon Colorado Avalanche coming in against the UC Soros less less. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Nashville Predators. Um, Nashville obviously had a really great season. Um, Roman Yossi had a historic season, 96 points on the year, four shy of 100. Um, complete monster offensively. And then there's the return of guys like Matt Duchesne, who I think put up like 84 points this season, scored 40 goals, like had a hell of a season. Um, really cool to see. Like we, we enjoy seeing good players play good again. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the Colorado Avalanche are a very hungry team, a very angry team, and want nothing more than to just demolish through the first round and try to get to that second round. I think they're highly motivated. They're highly skilled. They're dirty, dangerous. And like you said, without UC Saros uh, in net for the Predators, I think that Nashville is in for, for a pretty tough series. This is a going back to the Daryl Sutter quote that it's a waste of eight days for whoever plays the, um, the avalanche. I mean, without wasting any more time, that's exactly what I have. I have this series done in four. 
yeah, so do I. Uh, here, I'm actually I, I just think... going to mark down. Actually, yeah, keep talking. I'm just actually just going to mark this down in our notes. I, I think most people have this series going in a sweep. Um, that being said, there's a lot of professionals on this Nashville team like Duchesne, uh, Ryan Johansson. And keep in mind that a lot of these guys were on a Stanley Cup final appearance team. Uh, a few years ago when the Preds lost to the uh, to the Penguins. So th- these are these are some players with a lot of pride, and this is a franchise that's had some recent success. Uh, it wouldn't completely surprise me to see them maybe steal a game, but losing UC Saros is going to be, and I've said it a number of times, I think he's one of my favorite goalies in the NHL, if not my favorite goalie. So to see him out of the playoffs is tough. Um, certainly doesn't help their chances, but I think uh, anybody in any sort of hockey media role is is taking this the safer bet of a four nothing sweep for the abs and that's what yeah. i've got 100 percent um moving on from there we have the two-seated minnesota wild against the two-seated st louis blues three-seated oh sorry it's a c- central division two three matchup yes uh which the big dogs of kirill kaprizov and the big bad minnesota wild are taking on the resurgent season from Vladimir Tarasenko and the St. Louis Blues, who, to close up the season, were just tremendous. Uh, you, Husso, Vili Husso, is their goalie, is, is their, their goalie, goalie at the moment, yeah. Um, Jordan Cairo, like, there's a bit of a youth movement in St. Louis with the resurgence of Tarasenko. They were, like you said, were playing some great hockey to close out the year. Uh, Minnesota's been very good all season. Uh, they're a very, very good team got deeper at the deadline when they brought Flurry on. Um, I don't know. I'm asking that they have Flurry as their number one, or are they kind of doing a tandem between Talbot uh, and Flurry? Uh, Talbot's currently number one, but Wait. I mean, Flurry could be the number one in, in a snap two. of the fingers. Exactly. All they got to do is lose two games and they're going to be making a move in net. Um, that being said, uh, as good as St. Louis has been, as good as St. Louis is, as much respect for them as as I have, I still have the Minnesota Wild winning this series in six. Perfect. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, I also have the Wild in six. Yeah, I think so. that that's a pretty fair number of games for them to, for them to do it. And I think St. Louis is going to be a tough team to play at at home. Enterprise Center is is always rocking. They've got a great fan base in Missouri, so. Um, I think that it's going to be a tough barn to walk into and, and do it in less than six games, but Minnesota is damn good. And I think that they will do it in six. Um, the Calgary flames and the Dallas stars. Interesting matchup for sure. Um, you were talking about the Oilers having the third best points percentage um, since February 2nd or February 10th, sorry, in the NHL. I think the three team, the two teams that were ahead of them were Florida and Calgary. So mm-hmm. Calgary's got a good team and we talk a lot of shit about Calgary, a lot of shit about Calgary's fans. We'll like to poke a lot of fun at them. Had 200 point scorers on their team and Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk facing off against the Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan led stars. Um, I don't have this ending in a sweep because I think that like the Jason Robertson uh, rope hints line is going to come through for just one game. They're going to show up and just ball out. And that is an unfortunate reality that can happen with Dallas. But I think Calgary is going to have a pretty quick uh, series against them and are going to take it in five. You and I are literally on exact play. Like we are synchronized right now. I also have Calgary in five. 
it's it's like we talk every day oh my god but it's a but my my exact same reasoning was the robertson hints and pavelski line just going off they they're too productive to not win one game in a playoff series yeah exactly. when you have when you have travel from alberta to texas you have to factor that into that's gonna that's gonna affect these teams and going back home to the stars home rank like those guys are gonna get a little bit more of a burst of energy that's the that's literally the only reason that i'm giving them one because i think calgary could very easily sweep oh a hundred like a hundred percent the 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 speed and the the just the overall like just how heavy the Calgary Flames are is just going to be way too much. It's just going to be way too much on like Miro Heiskanen and the entire Dallas Stars defensive core. And I'm not sure I trust Dallas's goaltending either. No, fair enough, man. So we're in agreement with the first three matchups in the Western Conference. And we've already given away our picks for the Oilers Kings. But one more time for the notes, Nolan, I've got the Oilers in five and you've got them in six. I certainly do. Okay. Shortenly. Uh, you can move on to the next series, and then I will hop up with you once I'm doing these notes here. I love it. I can't wait for you to hop up all over me. Whoa! So moving over to the Eastern Conference, we've got the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers, led by just a plethora or plethora of weapons facing off against Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. <laughs> no cap, dude. Uh, this is going to be a fun series, but I think it's going to be a pretty quick series as well because these these Panthers are, like, gross, for lack of a better term. The term rock star, Nolan, gets thrown out a lot, but this is a rock star team, and I have them disposing of Washington in four games. I have them disposing of the Washington Capitals in four games as well. Uh, yeah, I do I, not trust Vitek Vanacek. <laughs> dude, I want to give and like got some or good Sam buddies Zonov. or yeah. some son of. I got some good buddies that are Capitals fans. We talk about them lots on the show. Um, Tanner from Mooshja and my buddy Ben are both big Caps guys, and I want to like say that they're going to put up a little bit more of a fight. And I think that the Capitals are a decent hockey team. They played good hockey all year, similar to the Oilers. They started off the year really, really hot. I mean, Ovi hit 50 again this year, but he can't do it himself. And like, you look at this four line, three pairing team of Florida, and I just do not see any scenario where the Caps keep up with them. I think it's four and I think it's four pretty easy. I think it really has more to do with just how talented Florida is than how bad the Capitals are. Um, 100%. I don't think that, I don't think that the Capitals are inherently bad, like nope. you said as well. Is like it's just Florida's just too good. Like they're just too too good and too deep. Like they've got like three first lines. <laughs> like, sorry, Cause sorry, I'm in too deep and I'm trying to keep um, the Caps at bay. The the Cats cats at bay time to hunt hunting season um moving on from there probably oh, the, uh, all eyes are going to be on this series the toronto maple leafs against the tampa bay lightning miles um the toronto maple leafs trying to exercise their first round demons against the back-to-back stanley cup champions um the the, the monsters of the atlantic uh, a, a couple of just real heavyweights coming against one another and I'm sticking to it. I think the Leafs are going to do it. You think they're going to win? 
I think they're going to win. I think the Leafs are going to take it in seven. Interesting take. Um, because we have our first disagreements. <laughs> I've got the lightning and six in this series. Oh, I hey. don't think that I don't think that Toronto does it. So and it's no fault of Toronto's. I think that it's just gonna be the like okay, go time, let's go kind of thing from the lightning where they're gonna have a shot of Russian juice in the legs and come out and 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 get through the first round. I think that they're just too too veteran led but too young to get rolled if that makes sense and i think the the only issue for me in this series is or like the biggest issue for me kind of holding me back from total confidence in toronto is jack hamill versus andre vasilevsky well vasilevsky and bobrovsky were the two uh, goalies to to win 39 games this season so if you need somebody to win 16 games in the playoffs. I think Vasilevsky's a, a pretty good bet for that. So yeah. I don't think he's going to have a problem winning for in the first round. That's my reasoning behind it. I think Vasilevsky, Hedman, um, Stammer had 100 points this year. First time in his career that he finished with 100 points. That's awesome so to see. So sick. Um, Braden points, nasty, even though he didn't have like a blow you out of the water statistical season. Kucherov came back and was freaking hot to end the year. That's the only reason why I'm taking, like I said, they're, they're, they're veteran led. They've done it before. Um, You see it in other sports where like championship winning teams maybe don't have the like crazy regular season, but come into the playoffs and snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity and, uh, and go back to their old habits and and win a, and win a series. So I think that Toronto drew the short or drew the short straw. Uh, having to play them uh, I would have picked Tampa over pretty much anybody else in the first round too just because of where they are and who they are um yeah I, I my my biggest reasoning for it for my prediction is that I just um I just don't think that Toronto can go this many years just losing in the first round time after time. I feel like it has to end at some point. And I think the story has to go that you are taking on the defending Stanley Cup champions in their back-to-back um, or after their back-to-back Stanley Cups. And that's how you get over your playoff demons. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, okay, going into our next series, the Carolina Hurricanes against the Boston Bruins. Um. Boy, I guess I'll go first. Um, I think I've got Boston upsetting Carolina in six. Do you? I do. Interesting. I um, I've there's something about their decor that I really like. Um, I think that this could be a really good series for Linus Allmark or Jeremy Swayman or who whoever is going to be starting for them. I'm not totally comfortable in Freddie Anderson in the net. Um, he just just doesn't really all do it for me. And I think that Carolina is a team that's very susceptible um, to to early early series sort of warts. And I think that this could easily be a series where Boston comes in as a veteran team that's been there before and can basically just say like, "We'll wipe you clean." Um. This is really the only series in personally in the first round that I don't feel very confident about that I think could go either way. Because again, like we were just talking about with Tampa, Toronto, that's one that I could see. Like if Toronto won, I wouldn't be completely surprised. But this one, I kind of flip-flopped between 
uh, a fair amount. I disagree with your pick because I'm taking Carolina in six simply because I think that like, and going back to that Chicklets episode that you were talking about, Ryan Whitney kind of had the sound bite where he's like, I'm not scared of Carolina. Like they don't, they don't do it for me. And I think that a lot of people may be um, sleeping on what Carolina can do because they're, they don't have the star player that's going to go out and single-handedly win a game, but they're deep and they're well coached and their special teams are fantastic. And I don't know where the Freddie Anderson hates coming from because not, not hate, but like the disbelief in Freddie Anderson, because he's, he's a had, damn good goalie. I, he's a good regular season goalie, but I've yet to see it in the playoffs. Like he was, he's never played for Rob Brendamore. He's never I, had the I decor know, that I, he does around him. He's never I had know, the forwards that have the defensive conscience that this team does. So I have Carolina winning in six. Um, and I think that they're going to piss off a lot of people in Baston. I also just think too that there's um, every year there's always that wild card team that usually takes out that 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 higher seeded team and I think that this could be the year where or I think that, that that this could be the matchup right here where that happens. I think that's my other reasoning behind it too. Um, okay, the Rangers against the Penguins. Ha 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 ha. I can't wait for you to say seed. Pittsburgh. I'm actually picking the Rangers. Yeah, you are. Welcome aboard the Broadway bandwagon. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. The only reason why I'm doing this is because of how good they've been since the trade deadline. They've been one of the best teams in the league since the trade deadline. Andrew Kopp has been a revelation. Frank but Frank Vetrano has been a hell of an addition to this team. Um Alexis Lafreniere's like, found his legs. Yeah, like, but this, but don't get me wrong. This team was not good before the trade deadline. They were they were running on fumes with Igor Shesterkin just clogging it up. Um, but we don't know the status on Christian or on Tr- Christian Tristan Jari right now. Um, I think it's looking like he's probably going to play, and Igor Shesterkin is the easy candidate for could could goalie the series. So how many games? I've got the Rangers in seven. I have the Rangers in six. Okay. I'm pretty, I've been pretty big all season on the Rangers. I've been a pretty big fan of the Rangers. I like the Rangers. I got nothing, I got nothing but love for the Rangers. Uh, Shout out NYR Nick. Good dude. And I've been talking to him a little bit about this Rangers team throughout the year. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer of this Rangers team. So I think that they're going to get through the first round. Okay. So the next round in the Western Conference, we've got the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Minnesota Wild. Ah, uh, an interdivisional round. Do you want to go first? Um, I will. And it's a pretty similar story to the first round when you're playing against Colorado because this is this case. Okay, so we've talked about it a, a number of times throughout the season that they're dangerously close to getting the Toronto treatment where if they don't make it through the second round, um, there needs to be a shakeup or there needs to be something to happen. And I don't think that they're going to have any trouble this year. Um, I just don't, they're just too freaking good. Any up and down the rosters of Minnesota and Colorado. I just see Colorado having the advantage in so many different facets of the game from special teams to five on five to goaltending um, their defensive play is fantastic. They've got like young emerging talent. I think they're just going to overwhelm Minnesota. And I think that they're going to do it in 
my heart says five, but my brain says six. So I'm going to go with Colorado and six. So you've got abs in six. And there is one team in the NHL that I am absolutely terrified of when the Oilers play them. It is the Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. Minnesota has that juice, has that jam to them. And they are so deep. That decor is outrageously good. Um, Jonas Brodin, Jared Spurgeon, uh, Dmitry Kulikov. I know that um, Jacob Middleton is Jacob Middleton has been a really good addition to the team. Their goaltending tandem is outrageously good. Um, and I think Kirill the Thrill wants to go on a hell of a playoff run right now. And I just also their goal song is shout like like. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, Minnesota Wild putting up five and you just hear, jump up and shout now, jump up and shout. I mean, like, if it's based on goal songs, Ottawa should win the Stanley Cup. Fuck off, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually have the Minnesota Wild taking down the Colorado Avalanche in seven games. That's a bold pick. Um, I don't think you're crazy. But going back to what you were saying about like one team that you're scared to play. Yeah, for me too, for the Oilers, it would be Minnesota. Um, But I think that for some reason, they are just the thorn in the side of the Oilers and they match up really well against the Oilers. But I don't see that matchup translating to to the to the series against Colorado. I'm I'm staying with my abs pick there. Okay, and then sorry, I'm just making the other stuff here. Um, Okay. This lines us up for <laughs> Battle of Alberta, second round, Flames, oh my Oilers. God, this is a fucking disaster waiting to happen. And this is where you have to separate the head from the heart. And this yeah. is tough for an Oilers-based podcast. Us, the the two lads here at One for One headquarters have been struggling with this one for months in preparation for what this bracket is set up to give us. Um, and I'm trying really hard. <laughs> to manage my expectations and not let the the hype roll through me nolan but i am just a man and i have the oilers winning that series in seven games so do i oh no (laughs) we're not drinking the oilers kool-aid we're mixing it up and snorting it um i just I think that this team is probably pissed off from the last time these two teams met. And I just, I think that, yeah. Okay. Let's just, I, I, I can't, I can't talk anymore. The one thing I will say, um, like this is so good for the game to get an Oilers uh, Calgary Flames second round matchup. I think that Oilers fans travel better than Flames fans. People may not agree with that uh, if they're on the other side, but that's my opinion. I think that they are going to infiltrate the Saddle Dome and make some of those games very, very exciting. I don't think that it'll be as easy for Flames fans to find tickets in Edmonton, um, which is going to help give the Oilers a little bit of legs. And I just think it's going to come down to, to to drive and desire. And I think that the Oilers are going to take it in seven. That's my, that's my heart of heart opinion. I think it's going to just going to come down to superstars against superstars. And I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are, are hungry. Nom, nom, nom. Okay. 
and also Mike Smith against his former team. That's that's a storyline right there. Yeah, I don't. It'll be it'll be wild. It'll be crazy. It'll be exciting. So this next matchup, then Nolan, is one that we are going to be debating in two separate formats. As yep. you will, as you will have the Panthers playing the Leafs, and I will have the Panthers playing the Lightning. Yep. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming that we would both have the same team coming out on top there, because I would have the Panthers winning that series in five so you got so you got the cats over the lightning in five games eh? because i'm a madman yeah um i've got the panthers taking out the toronto maple leafs in six games to punch their ticket to the eastern conference finals i don't yeah i don't uh foresee it happening but what what kind of podcaster would i be if i didn't talk about the potential for the Panthers to be a lightning from a couple of years ago when they're just nasty and get swept in the first or not swept, but beaten in the first round by the blue jackets. Um, I don't see that happening. I see this Carol or this uh, Florida team just being too damn good. And I don't see anybody getting in their way. And I think it's also Bob too, once again, trying to sort of bring back some of that magic that maybe he had from when he swept the Tampa Bay Lightning is a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. That might have something to play in it as well. Um, well, Spencer Knight was the third star in the NHL for the last month. Like, even if Bob doesn't catch it, I mean, yeah. they've got a really good op- option for number two. Yeah. So, I mean, this uh, this is going to be a, a... And for for the Leafs, it's more of just like, you're just... The the Panthers just are just too deep, and it's really the same the same sort of argument that you could make for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like I just I just don't believe that the Leafs will be able to overcome the depth of Tampa, uh, or sorry, the depth of Florida. Whoopsie Daisy. Um. So un- unfortunately, yeah, I've I've got the I've got I've got the Panthers winning in six. Sorry, Lee. I, hey, I, at least I gave you a first round win, Leaf fans. I didn't so take that. Yeah, send your hate mail to Miles Fuchs. Please don't at actually. M, at mfooks31 on Twitter. Leaf <laughs> fans in my mentions. Um, so then this this next round would be another one that we aren't agreeing on because I have Carolina playing the Rangers and you would have Boston playing the Rangers. Um, I would have Carolina coming out of this one in six games over the Rangers. Okay, so you've got um, Hurricanes in six. I have the Boston Bruins taking this in five. Oh, he's a big Taylor Hall guy. No, I just... It's not even Taylor Hall. I don't even sound like that. I hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> um, I just think that, once again, Boston's a very veteran-laden squad. Once again, guys that have been there plenty of times. Um, and I just... They're... Boston's just that team that I think can just go toe to toe with just about anybody. So call it my call it my old man take, but I just I unfortunately believe in the Boston Bruins a little too much. So I've got Bruins in five, uh, shaping up for a Florida Boston conference final in the East. Um, so but we'll do um, Florida Boston is me, and then Florida. Uh, her Carolina is you. Well, you have a very uh, southeastern matchup. <laughs> hey, what can I say? I love the Sunshine State, baby. 
Okay. Conference finals. Miles, you have the Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers. And you have the Minnesota Wild versus the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. I have the Colorado Avalanche winning this series against the Edmonton Oilers, as much as it hurts me to say in, and again, I know I've said six a lot, but the six games is what it'll take. I have the Edmonton Oilers in seven. Of course you do. (laughs) I Um, thought about this for a very long time. I changed my pick a number of times. And again, in my heart, I think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to go to the Stanley Cup final. But for my bracket, I'm going to say say Colorado. Okay, let's just let's just move on. Um, the, uh, Florida Panthers versus the Boston Bruins for myself. Um, I have the Florida Panthers taking this in six games, punching their ticket to the Stanley Cup finals for the first time in over 20 years. Yes. Um, 95, I believe. So like, yeah, like almost 30 years. Um, almost 27. Um, but anyway, (laughs) it's like, you had that one ready to go. Um, so I have the Panthers playing the Carolina hurricanes and this is where the, uh, Southern magic ends and the, uh, Panthers begin because they will be defeating the Carolina hurricanes in six games. Okay. So you got Panthers in six as well. Okay. All right, so Miles, your cup final, you have the Colorado Avalanche up against the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. And you have the Florida Panthers up against the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> your Edmonton Oilers! Uh, Miles, what's your pick for uh, Avs versus Panthers? My pick for Avs versus Panthers, um, foreshadowing has been on the wall the entire time we've been going through this bracket, and I will not be straying from that as i have the florida panthers coming in as your 2021 2022 stanley cup champions defeating the colorado avalanche in six games and then make sure i make make sure i bold that okay um i'm not gonna cut this Miles, sometimes when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's magic. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that thing. There's a little bit of, you know, uh, a third, fourth seed, fifth seed in the Stanley Cup playoffs that decides that they're going to go on a run. Sometimes teams fire their head coach midway through the season and go on a miracle run. The Pittsburgh Penguins, twice, St. Louis Blues. And sometimes with that magic, there's a symbol of that magic. Miles, I have the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup this season. In? 
I have them winning it in seven games. In seven games. On the road. There's there's a buzz and a like a, a, a thing to this team and I, I can't explain it. And I know that I'm I'm like the the number one f- guy that freaks out when things don't go right and I know that I overreact a lot. But there is something special about this team. And I think having that symbol in the name of a young man named Ben Stelter and rallying around the fans, rallying around this child, rallying around this coach, there is a special energy. And I think Connor McDavid really wants this. I think Leon Dreisaitl really wants this. I think Darnell Nurse really wants this. I think these guys have been through the ringer. They've had the humiliating losses. They've had the heartbreaking losses. And they've come to this point where it's time to go on a surprise run. And I think that this is the team that's going to do it. Um, I think that this is also a team that is very susceptible to having a bottom six line just go on a complete tear and carry a series or, 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 or carry a few games. And with this silly magic all being backstopped by a 40-year-old goaltender who this city or who this every fan of this team hated two, three months ago, I think there's something there, Miles, and I think this is going to happen. Okay, so again, I tried very hard to separate my head from my heart. Take a shot every time I said that and you're blacked out. You're pissing the bed. But I spent a lot of time thinking about this bracket and I came up with the one that the um, hockey fan in me thinks it'll be, the NHL fan in me thinks it'll be. But I would be remiss to act like I don't agree with you on some point. Like as a, as a diehard Oilers fan, um, I think that the parallels between this Oilers team and the St. Louis Blues, I think are the really easy example to use, yeah. are really, really high and i don't think that you can discount the adversity that the oilers have been through this year um again like the symbolism uh, of between ben and layla that the like the blues had for just having like a rallying point and having something that gro- uh, grounds you as like as a professional athlete and kind of reminds you of like the bigger things in life is something that you just can't jump over the coaching change is a, is something else that's huge and the like rejuvenation of mike smith and this team in general like you cannot discount mike smith and for anybody who wants to call us flip-floppers go right ahead but mike smith is probably the most motivated player in the stanley cup playoffs and the reason i say that is because he's 40 years old he knows that his time in the nhl is numbered that he's in the twilight he's on a little horse about to ride off into the sunset um, and he's got one shot at winning a Stanley Cup, and he has a fair shot at winning a Stanley Cup with a good team. All he's got to do is win 16 games in the playoffs, and he gets a ring and has the storybook ending to a career that's had its ups and downs, to a season that's had its ups and downs. I don't think that you can say there's a more motivated player in the Stanley Cup playoffs than Mike Smith. And... These are also the moments that you got Duncan Keith for, that you traded for a first ballot Hall of Fame defenseman for. 
you know, yeah, when it, it's, it's similar to the Tampa argument, right. Where you don't want to say he's been saving his legs all year, but like he knows too, that he's got a, a limited oppor- limited shelf life in the league that he doesn't, isn't going to have very many opportunities. And that's probably why he wanted to come to Edmonton more than, you know, Calgary or Vancouver when he was picking his Western conference landing spot, right. To be back ho- closer to home to his family. Um, he knows it's go time and they've got Broberg called up for the playoffs. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's probably not going to play too much. Um, no, but, but barring barring an injury, yeah, yeah. Yep, if he needs yep. to step in, you have a piece there for tremendous depth for the playoffs, for a defenseman that can come in and contribute. Um, don't also, necessarily love him learning in the playoffs, but he's a guy that can do it. I also see this as a coming out party for uh, Brett Kulak. I could see Brett Kulak having sort of similar to, you remember how good Michael Kempney was for the Capitals? Um, when they acquired him at the trade deadline and then they go on that crazy run to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I could very well see Brett Kulak having that sort of cup run where he just plays a pivotal role to this team where he slides up and down between the top four and the top six sort of thing. Um, and I know this is kind of off basis, but like, could you not see Labamba being this team's Gloria? The parallels are very strong all throughout and you don't want to hinge your whole life on that but I don't think that the Oilers winning the Stanley Cup is the most insane thing we've ever said on this podcast (laughs) this season anyway I think that I I think that the opportunity is there and it's all about them seizing it and I mean Connor McDavid has flown under the radar all year for the NHL winning the Art Ross with 124 points uh, what is it here? I have a little graphic for you, and I wanted to talk about this under NHL stuff, but we will uh, we'll talk about it here. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that have won the Art Ross four or more times: Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Gordy Howe, Phil Esposito, Yammer Yager, and Stan Makita, and now Connor McDavid, who is what That's twenty insane group? <laughs> what is he? Twenty five, twenty six yeah. years old. 25. Yeah. So uh, he's probably going to win a couple more of those, we, we would be able to say. Um, and I think that he, again, is motivated. And if there's one guy who uh, may challenge Mike Smith for motivated, most motivated player in the playoffs, it's Connor McDavid. So to have two of those guys in the same room chugging along for the same goal is pretty dangerous. I think, I think we're going to see a mutant, a mutant McDavid, especially this first round. Well, Miles, do you want to change your pick at all? You still have time. I'm not changing my pick. Because we can only agree on so much, Nolan, or else this show would get boring. Um, well, there it is. And for anybody that says, oh, you did this last year, uh, no, I predicted that, and that was contingent on the Oilers trading for Taylor Hall and a defenseman at the trade deadline. So shut it before I have to hear anything else from you. Maybe he did do it last year. Maybe maybe he did. Who knows? Who's to say? Uh, maybe he'll do it again next year. Who's to say? Who knows? But at the end of the day, this is an Oilers podcast. And if you thought you were coming in here and going to hear anything different, you're fucking crazy. I'm going to get absolutely toasted on this play- on, on this prediction. Yeah, I can't wait for these brackets to just get flushed down the toilet. Do you uh do you do you have a screenshot of yours? I do, yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna send it to me and I can and I or or I can send you mine and we can put them together and post them? 
I'll let you do that because graphic design is your passion. Graphic design is my passion. Um, and then, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, you send me that. I'll do mine and then I'll post it sort of a couple days after our, or I'll probably do it once the games start tomorrow because I'm going to get this edited and put out tonight. Well, Miles. Playoff hockey, baby. Because Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Well, should we call her a night and say good luck to our boys in blue and orange? I think so, Nolan. But for everybody else that's listening, whether your team is in the playoffs or not, get ready for a wild ride. Like we've said a couple of times, anything can happen in these Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a new season. It's an opportunity to put on whichever team's colors you want to and cheer for whatever outcome your maniacal little heart desires. And that's the beauty of sport. And I don't think that there's any playoffs more exciting in professional sports than the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you hear it from hockey fans um, and non-hockey fans alike that playoff hockey is just different. And I'm really excited for the first playoffs where TNT is going to be able to sink their teeth in it to see what they do. The theatrics behind it are going to be really exciting. Um, Some of the cities that games are going to be played in are really cool. Uh, It's just different. It seems like a different year. And I'm very, very excited to watch the Stanley Cup story unfold. As am I, my friend. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of One for One, the playoff preview episode. It's a long one, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this season, and we hope you come back for the next episode where you get to hear us complain about the Oilers dropping games against the Kings. Shut up, Miles. (laughs) And uh, all the other horrible hot takes that we have. But thanks for your support this season. Thanks for tuning in to One for One. And as always, go Oilers go. Go Oilers go.